Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast. I am your host, Patrick Lyons. And joining me today, we got a cavalcade of stars covering the League Championship Series from all across this wonderful continent, covered MLB. But today, right off the bat, we've got for her first appearance, Renee Washington from PHLY Phillies. Renee, what's going on? Hey, I'm happy to be here, and I'm I'm glad that uh, we can make this happen. Everything's going great. It's game one today, so it's it's a, a high in the city right now. <laughs> yes, for anyone that doesn't know, our our family here at All City has has gotten a little bit bigger. We're we're in Philly and PHLY Phillies. I mean, everyone's paying attention to y'all uh, as well as PHNX Diamondbacks. You're getting off to the jump start, and and immediately it's it's been the postseason, and I and it just feels like everyone right now is most excited about the the Phillies in, in so many ways. And I think a lot of that just has to do with the, the vibes at Citizens Bank Park right now. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, Citizens Bank Park is always an X factor. And I've been down for many games. There's nothing like a postseason game at Citizens Bank Park. Regular season's one thing, but playoff time, everyone's standing the entire time, inning after inning after inning. The dugout's all into it. It's so that contagious energy feeds into the team and it's just fun it's uh, contrary to what people think about philly sports fans it's a lot of fun you're dancing and tailgating you're having some great food you're it's like a big family reunion so uh playoff sports in philly especially right now around the phillies has been so much fun to be a part of and uh it makes it tough for anybody coming in to play them yeah, I want to say the record is like 26 and 11. It's actually the, the best winning percentage for any team in any location. Uh, the winning percentage is pretty good for the Diamondbacks. We'll talk about that in, in just a little bit. But yeah, that actually with, with Citizens Bank Park, just the way that it's been, it's been like that since last year. I think, in fact, uh, Phillies are now 10 and 2 at Citizens Bank Park since the start of uh, the 2022 postseason. But it really feels like that's that's like a 10th or 11th player on the field, right? You got the nine guys, including the DH, the 10th is the pitcher, and then the 11th, maybe the most important, have been the fans there. And, and it just makes the vibes all the more better. And, and who else is bringing the vibes other than the one and only Bryce Harper? I mean, he continues... Uh, to put his stamp on this postseason and put his stamp on Philly sports history, he really seems to have kind of put himself in in the limelight and in, in the pantheon of great Phillies athletes, especially in this postseason. How beloved has he been in such a short amount of time since signing with the Phillies? Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, today's his 31st birthday, so we're expecting big things for him. But uh, you look across his 12 seasons, it feels like Bryce Harper has continued to just progress. And he's had a number of accolades, Rookie of the Year, MVP, All-Star. But I think his the best is honestly yet to come. And a lot of what we've talked about in Philly is he has to get a ring. He's got to get a championship because he's one of the best. We, we definitely have declared one of the best free agent signings that we've had in all of Philly sports, but hands down one of the best athletes in all of Philly sports um, beyond just the Phillies club in general because of what he's been able to do in big moments. You look at the series against the Braves. I mean, I what whoever wants to fault the media or whatever excuse you want to have, at the end of the day, Bryce Harper came back and answered back with a, a pair of homers and the iconic stare down. So you know, Bryce Harper, he makes it fun. He makes it, he brings the energy and he's always someone you can count on in those big moments. And when you look at the numbers that he's been putting up, it's remarkable that Bryce Harper, I feel like is really still just getting to playing his best baseball. I mean, overall his, his OPS, a one, six, nine, seven OPS in the seven postseason games against Atlanta alone completely has been dominant against them. But then also you look at the home runs that he's been hitting, the timing of the plays, Bryce Harper is literally putting Philly on his back in, in a lot of opportunities that just allows us to also feed off of what Bryce Harper can do at the plate. 
And I, I think you guys have a shirt that you could put on your back that says Attaboy Harper that you can get over at uh, go, allphly.com, of course. Uh, check that out. You talk about guys, you know, being clutch right here in, in, in the postseason and, and doing big things. Zach Wheeler has to be another one of those guys. And you talk about great you know, uh, free agent signings, man, Zach Wheeler has been that he's been better than advertised. And this is his time of year to, to shine. It'll be Zach Wheeler, Zach Allen, battle of the Zachs. I mean, what, what do you expect to see out of Wheeler tonight? Seven innings, perhaps, you know, it's more about what Zach is doing at the mound. Uh, you know, it's a shame that when you look at the production that we saw from Zach in game two, that's that streak of, no hits, no runs, uh, doesn't get tacked on because of how the last two innings went. But for Zach Wheeler coming in with a 208 ERA against, you know, in the postseason specifically, and just been playing so well and has been steady. And I know there was a, a poll that was put out for pitcher power rankings by Major League Baseball, and they put him as number one. And without a doubt, he's, he's pitching as the best across the league right now. And it just is a great way to start any series off with Zach Wheeler on the mound. And I think after last game, of just having, uh, you know, last game he started, I should say, of having that historic performance of being just one of 10 Phillies pitchers to ever, excuse me, one of, I think it was five or six pitch, pitchers to have t 10 strikeouts in a game. And you're talking about the historic moment. And then all of a sudden it gets completely, you know, changed because we're now talking about the loss. So I think Zach Wheeler is today coming out to prove and show why he continues to be the best in baseball. And regardless what that result was of game two, today hoping to get the Phillies that win. Yeah, we got Jesse Friedman coming on here in just a little bit to talk Diamondbacks, Kevin Henry to talk all about the American League Championship Series. So I want to talk to you more, but we might have to we might have to end it here. I got to get that prediction first. What is going to happen? There you go, more Philly shirts, rocking it. I'm sure you've got the Phillies winning it. How many games though for the NLCS? If this goes anything less than six. I think we're all going to be very surprised. You know, I, I can anticipate this series being, I don't know if it's going the distance. I don't know all of that, but I'm, my prediction is a, is a six game series. I do of course have the Phillies winning. Um, I've predicted that they're going to win today, win tomorrow. I think they, they're going to drop on the road. That's a tough three game stretch of that Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But I still feel I don't know which of those games might be a loss, but I think they're gonna they're gonna close it out in six at the at the very least, honestly. The, the Diamondbacks are a talented team. I know you and Jesse will get into it, and we're very aware of the fact that they're coming into this playing with no pressure, having gone to the World Series last year. There's a little bit more on the Phillies as not just your typical wild card team coming in that they dismantled the best team in baseball offensively in the Braves and completely have been dominant in their first two series. And you're expecting that to roll into this series as well. But we know that the Diamondbacks will not be a team that you're just going to roll over. We are expecting to finally hand the Diamondbacks their first postseason loss because the streak needs to end. Um, but I think they're going to win in six is my prediction, including a victory tonight. Man, you're going to have it all covered over on Twitter at P-H-L-Y underscore Phillies. You're also on Twitter at Renee P. Wash. Renee, thanks so much. What, what do you think? Are you going to come back? We want you back, but I mean, are we up to your yeah. level? Yeah, listen, we, we're going to have plenty of games left, knock on wood. So plenty of opportunities to talk about the Phillies rolling through the uh, NLCS and into the World Series. So we'll make this happen again for sure. <laughs> and vice you're, versa, of course. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah, if you ever want to talk about Rockies in Philadelphia, <laughs> I'm your guy. So is Susie. Susie's your gal, for sure. Yes, yes. Renee, thank you so much. Have fun in the series. Thank you. 
man, if you want to have fun at any party or any event, make sure you're getting some Breckenridge Distillery, official bourbon of the Denver Broncos, widely known for their blended bourbon whiskey, a high rye mash, American style whiskey right now. Hashtag Broncos bourbon, two tickets to the Breckenridge bourbon whiskey suite for the Broncos Chargers game at the end of the year. Take a photo of yourself, your favorite Broncos photo that you've got. Share it on Instagram, Facebook. Use hashtag Broncos bourbon. You got a good chance to win that bad boy. They're at all of our DNVR watch parties as well as Broncos tailgates. You can also check out their Ricky Seltzers. They're amazing. They're available in all 50 states. Breckenridge Distillery, Apray, anywhere and bet 365 look they don't do ordinary not at all they believe every sport should be epic so see for yourself when you sign up today because you'll get 365 dollars in bonus bets when you bet just one dollar we got dnvr custom bets on top of that it's super easy all you got to do is download the app deposit ten dollars and claim your 365 dollars in bonus bets as soon as you place a bet for one dollar download the bet 365 app and use code dnvr365 when you sign up whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Jesse Friedman calling from, I believe uh, you're in a condo above a Wawa somewhere in Philadelphia. Is that correct? That is accurate. That is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> How was workout day yesterday? So for anyone that doesn't know, I mean, I've, I've been down here in, in Phoenix for a little bit, helping out the Diamondbacks coverage, fire off those predictions for the NLCS, ALCS, if you're with us in the chat, live on DVR Sports Channel on YouTube. Uh, I haven't had a good time doing that. You're out in Philly, so you're probably right down the street from Renee. What was workout day like yesterday, and 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 how are the vibes in and around the city? I'm sure everyone's buzzing about the Phillies, similarly to how they're they're buzzing about the Diamondbacks here in town in Phoenix. It's cold, Patrick. That's the first <laughs> thing I'm going to say. All right, this Arizonan. I know I lived in Seattle not that long ago, uh, but yeah, my my phone was trying to tell me that it was like 54 degrees or something at the end of the workout day yesterday when all us when all of us reporters left. But I don't believe it for a second. Uh, it, it definitely felt like it was I don't know like mid 40s or something. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that just is kind of part of the territory of postseason baseball, right? It's almost supposed to be cold outside. That's kind of you know one of the hallmarks of, of playoff baseball is everyone wearing their their big jackets and whatnot in the stands. But uh, yeah, I mean you know sort of a typical workout day, kind of what we've gotten used to seeing here over the last couple weeks in some of these other series. Uh, you know everyone's on the field taking BP and and you know taking ground balls and, and doing their thing. Uh, we got to talk with a, a few members of the Diamondbacks team, as well as manager Tori Lovello, as well as general manager uh, Mike Hazen. So uh, there were a lot of a lot of you know interesting moments, a lot of interesting things that were said. Uh, Zach Gallen wore a Michael Jordan Tar Heels uh, jersey uh, in into the the press interview room, which was which was kind of a fun moment. He was asked about Michael Jordan and uh, you know the impact that he's had on on his career and. Uh, how he how he looks on uh, you know looks out on things moving forward. So uh, yeah, just a lot of uh, you know a lot of fun conversations and you know of course a lot of anticipation heading into uh, heading into game one tonight. Yeah, I know Gallon wears twenty three. I started putting those things together and uh, you know doing your homework on a guy and you say oh yeah he he was a Tar Heel so uh, it makes sense that he kind of idolizes uh, Michael Jordan another you know pretty decent baseball player uh, certainly yeah. not up to the caliber <laughs> of uh, of Zach Gallon. Uh, I know there were, there was a couple uh, roster moves. What Jace Peterson came off. Uh, and uh, who was a Slade Ciccone, uh was also added to the roster. He's someone that you know the 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 Diamondbacks are going to need to get a couple more innings from the bullpen because they really only have three starters, and even that third one is is Brandon Fott. 
Uh, any any uh, thoughts uh, on on what might happen in Game Four? Is it just going to be kind of a true bullpen day once we get there on Friday? Yeah, it's still unclear. Uh, Tori Lavello hasn't really directly answered any questions about that, and you know neither is Rob Thompson on on the Phillies side. Uh, although he said they have two great options, those being Taiwan Walker and Christopher Sanchez, we certainly expect to see. Uh, one, if not both of those guys playing a, a big role for the Phillies in that game four. But on the Diamondback side, it, it's it's still hard to say. Uh, as you mentioned, Slade Sikoni is on the roster, which which is a, an interesting development. He hasn't you know pitched an inning in the playoffs, hasn't been on any of the Diamondbacks uh, postseason rosters that they've churned out so far. But you have to believe he's probably going to play a role in some respect in that game four. Uh, he got, you know, just a handful of outings uh, with the Diamondbacks during the regular season coming up from AAA. And, you know, I thought he I thought he looked good in in moments. Um, you know, he pitched in some big games down the stretch and, and had some some moments of success. But that game four is going to be tough for the Diamondbacks. You know, you know no matter how way how they slice it, if you're not willing to pitch Zach Gallon or Merrill Kelly on on short rest, I guess Zach Gallon uh, in, in that game four. The Diamondbacks just aren't going to have, you know, an ideal pitching situation. That's just kind of the reality of things for them. And I think it I think it maybe puts a little bit of added pressure on these first two games in Philly. When you have Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly on the mound, you have to make the most of it. And, you know, it's going to be obviously pretty hard to do that playing at Citizens Bank Park with all these fans. And game three seems a little lopsided. I mean, Ranger Suarez has been outstanding in the postseason. Brandon Fott, you know, really good against the Dodgers, obviously, last week. Uh, and yeah. then game four, you, you got former Diamondback, and it looks like Taiwan Walker might get the start. So really, that that is anybody's game, but you, you got to take one of these first two. And obviously, that's uh, it's not breaking anything new there. Uh, no love lost between these two teams. I think one of the last times they went uh, toe-to-toe, Toy Lovello and, and JT Realmuto, you know, exchanged a couple of words there. I don't know if there's going to be any uh, hard feelings going into this series, but uh, I, if I know Tori and if I know JT, you know, uh, they're not going to forget that all too soon. It'll be interesting. I, I, I remember after after the incident happened, I mean, this was this was back in June, I believe. It's been a few months. Uh, you know, I, I think they kind of downplayed it a little bit. Um, and, and, and even in the moment, Tori talked about, and I guess the, I should give the context here, Corbin Carroll was hit by a pitch twice. Um, in both of his first plate appearances in a game against the Phillies at Chase Field back in June. I believe Matt Strom was on the mound. This is back when Matt Strom was, was <laughs> starting games or sort of opening games for the Phillies. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, uh, you know, of course, Diamondbacks fans weren't happy. And, of course, Torrey Lavella wasn't happy. He talked after the game about feeling the need to protect his player. And he came out there and, and was not happy with uh, Matt Strom or JT Romuto. Uh, Real Muto tried to convince him that, you know, we're just pitching inside. I know we hit him the first time, but that's not going to change our game plan. Why would we want to put Corbin Carroll, one of the best base runners in baseball, on base intentionally early in a game? This wouldn't make any sense for us to do anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tori Lovello said, he, he told JT Romuto on the field, I would do the same thing if this were you. Like if you were my, if you were on my team and you were at the plate and you'd been hit twice early in the game, I, I would have the exact same reaction for you. So I think those two kind of came to an understanding about the situation. I, I don't think there's really any level of of disrespect. So uh, yeah, I, I think of that as sort of a sort of a non-issue going into this series. 
I know the theme for the Diamondbacks has been somebody new each game stepping up uh, and, and being that player of the game, being the king snake, uh, as a good friend of mine likes to call uh, the best player of the game over there on the PHNX Diamondbacks uh, channel. Uh, but but have you have you pinpointed anybody that you know the, the series maybe is a make or break uh, if this guy uh, can maybe have a big series or or maybe if if they have a really bad series it's all going to fall apart from the Diamondbacks. I don't think there's any there's any one guy, you know, I mean, there's there's just there's too many different ways to win a playoff series. And the Diamondbacks have had a variety of contributors in, in their first two series. But I, I think there are a couple of things we can say for sure. If Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly do not pitch well in the series, the Diamondbacks are not going to win this series. Right. You at least need to get, you know, maybe maybe in, in four starts, you know, there's there's one clunker in there or something. But you need these two guys to be at the top of their game in order for the Diamondbacks to, to really have a shot here. I think Gallon and Kelly are a big reason why some people really feel like the Diamondbacks have a chance in this series, even though you know the Phillies have, have so much firepower on offense compared to what the Diamondbacks have. But Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly, I mean, they're just as good, or at least in the regular season, they were just as good, if not better, than you know Zach Wheeler and, and Aaron Nola. And if they're able to continue to be those guys going into this series, the Diamondbacks, you know, they, they should at least have a chance. Got a prediction for how this is going to end up playing out? Oh, gosh. Of course, you had to ask me this. Don't worry. No, uh, no one from Phoenix <laughs> is watching right now. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that on paper, the Phillies are the better team, right? I mean, the Phillies won 90 games, the D-backs 184. Uh, you know, I, I wrote a, a breakdown over at gophnx.com, of, you know, comparing the Phillies and D-backs on offense, starting pitching, relief pitching. Look, I mean, the Phillies have the advantage, it, not necessarily a huge advantage, but an advantage in just about every area of the game. I think defense is the one thing that the Diamondbacks are clearly better at uh, than this Phillies team. But even then, without Kyle Schwarber playing left field anymore, the Phillies defense, I don't think is is quite as bad as, as some of the defensive metrics would say. So the Phillies are the better team on, on paper, as we've seen in the playoffs. That doesn't mean that the Diamondbacks can't win a series because the Brewers were the better team on paper in the wild card round, right? The Dodgers were the better team on paper in the NLDS. The Diamondbacks ran through both of those teams. So anything can happen, but I, I think I have to, I have to stick by the book here and, and pick the Phillies to win this one. And uh, I guess we'll say six games. Elizabeth saying Diamondbacks are going to win, and yes, no one from Phoenix is watching, so uh, don't worry <laughs> about that. Well, Jesse, stay stay warm, um, bundle up. I, I imagine you may have to go get, you know, uh, some kind of goose down jacket to keep warm uh, out there in the press box. I need a beanie. That's what I always forget. <laughs> go to Wawa. Get a get a Wawa beanie. That'll really ingratiate yourself uh, with the with the local media and, and fans and whatnot. <laughs> Jesse, thanks Isn't so much. Wawa's a, Wawa's a gas station, right? Is, you're telling me they sell beanies? how this works? They sell a little bit of everything. Yes, they they have okay. merch. I don't know if they sell them at the at the you know convenience store section. You can get them online. I don't know. I should probably own more Wawa clothing than I, I currently do because yeah, I, I love me some Wawa. You got to check it out. Check it out for yourself. I'll, it's no I'll Circle K. Sure I'll say that. It's no Circle K. <laughs> a few things are, Patrick. A few things are. <laughs> yeah, check out his work uh, at Jesse and Friedman on Twitter and go over to gophnx.com. Check out that preview. See uh, how Jesse broke it down and and, uh, and what's going to happen with this Phillies-Diamondbacks matchup. Jesse, have a good time tonight. Stay warm. All right, will do. Thanks. 
people in Denver are, are definitely going to be staying warm uh, because they're going to tap in on that kind love, an official partner of DNVR, support another one of those great local brands, get a consistent great experience when you're high on kind love. One of the first dispensaries in Colorado established in 2010, known for cultivating some of the highest quality cannabis in the States. They got those that turbo core, right? That turbo joint and the kind love flower that's sold in more than 100 stores around the state. You can actually check out the one in Cherry Creek or North Denver. Mention DNVR and receive a DNVR exclusive discount of 25% off all kind love flower pre-rolls and their turbo joint line. Seriously, just mention DNVR. It's amazing. Go to website kindlove.com for their extensive menu and online ordering. And that code DNVR over at kindlove.com. It now works for deliveries as well. FOCO, leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise. You might even be able to see some of those things behind me here at the PHNX Diamondback Studios. They've got those awesome overalls that you can get. Get a CU Buffs one if you want. All of our set de- decorations are, are thanks to FOCO. they got amazing stuff. Peanuts bobbleheads. If you're into the whole Charlie Brown and Snoopy thing, that's cool. they got Hawaiian button-up shirts for the Rockies. It's really great. FOCO's got your back for all Colorado sports so make sure uh, that that you help them out. Support them because that supports us. Use the link in the description. For all non-presale items, use promo code DNVR for 10% off. All right, I'm talking Colorado. Who better than my best man, my best guy in the Colorado Rockies press box at Coors Field. I haven't seen you since uh, we were in Chicago together covering the Cubs. Uh, seriously. I mean, we had to go to Chicago to see each other. It's not right on so many levels, brother. It's no. not. It's it's not. I want. I want to talk plenty about the uh, league championship series, but obviously, to be true to what this show is about, um, you know, there's some news for the for the Colorado Rockies. I'm sure you saw there at DNVR underscore Rockies on Twitter. 31st anniversary of the groundbreaking of Coors Field construction started on this date in 1992. Just a 300 million dollars. That's it to build the stadium on the corner of 20th and Blake, and uh, it's. Seems like it was actually quite a bargain, don't you think? I think it was. And you consider how that changed Lodo. It changed downtown Denver. I mean, everything that's gone on and what Coors Field has become, you know, and and Rockies fans will roll their eyes about it being a destination ballpark because of all that Dodger blue and Giants orange that always comes in. But absolutely, a shot in the arm that Coors Field has been through the years for downtown Denver. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Kudos to that investment in a big way. And I think it's changed the game, too, in, in sports in general, because Camden Yard was built, and then everyone said, oh, yeah, we want one of these like old-fashioned ballparks. So Coors Field gets in on that action with HOK uh, and, and, and all their wonderful designs. So they're kind of the second one uh, in that line. But it's where they put the field, saying, hey, let's kind of put it in an area that might be a little bit dilapidated, and let's yeah. build it up. You know, the real estate in the areas is, uh, is on the lighter side. And so from there, you go, okay, we want the nice stadium like Camden and Coors, and we want the location like cores and and after that you know pretty much every every ballpark every team gets a new stadium uh in the late 90s and and throughout the 2000s yeah and then you look at you know i I gotta be honest with you uh there was turner field and there was the ballpark in arlington there were both really great ballparks and Mm -hmm. built along the lines of coors and camden and everything else and they've already been replaced so i think it's a real shot in the arm to Denver that, you know, the Rockies have kept it up that again, it, it is a place that people want to come to what is built around it. You know, it, it's somewhere that, you know, downtown Denver in that area on game day, man, it's vibrant, it's thriving. And, and you and I both know whenever we leave at midnight, there's still plenty of bars bumping, uh, you know, no matter what day it is. For sure. Arizona Fall League still going strong. So is Sterling Thompson, still raking 484 batting average so far through the first two weeks, third in the AFL, 1352 OPS, fourth 
in the AFL. Four doubles, two triples, seven RBI, and more walks, 10, that's second in all of the Arizona Fall League, than strikeouts. So he's putting the ball in play. He's not swinging and missing. He's looking like a guy that, I mean, it, it could be kind of a long shot, but it's yeah. still worth discussing. He might even he might even be on the opening day roster. It's a possibility. Uh, absolutely. I mean, we saw that the Rockies have already made some roster moves. You know, we, we know that that influx of youth is what they want, is what they're kind of counting on. And you look at, you know, I'm just going to say it. I know we're not talking about it yet, but Evan Carter and the difference that he's made for the Rangers. A young guy really stepping up. You know, the Rockies, I know, have visions of that someday being a Veen or a Romo or a Sterling Thompson even. It's very possible. Very possible. Benny Montgomery had himself a really good week. Still waiting for his first extra base hit. Uh, he's got five stolen bases in six attempts. Case Williams looking really good in his two starts. Six scoreless innings, two hits, two walks, seven strikeouts. Major improvement for what he was able to do this year in, in Hartford. I think that was a bit of a disappointment. A guy who did get a major league invite, had an ERA just north of seven in, in kind of more of a pitcher's league there in the AA Eastern League. But did throw uh, over 100 innings. Was only one of seven Rockies prospects to do that. And really only one of five that's like a true prospect you know under the age of 26 so uh, i think he could have that opportunity to uh to start at some point with the rockies maybe late in the year he's yeah. uh December of, of 2024 is when he needs to be added to the 40-man roster or else he'll be exposed on the 40-man. And so we've seen Rockies do that, you know, with a guy like Ryan Feltner in, in 2021. Hey, let's put you on the 40-man a little bit early. You know, let, let's have you get some opportunities at the big league level, see what you can do and kind of help, you know, boost that stock of yours, boost some of that, um, you know, uh, g- give you some motivation a little bit. And so uh, I think there's a chance that we, we could see Case at Coors, uh, the hometown boy, at some point next year. I think it's a very real possibility. And while we talk about Sterling and we're keeping our eyes on the hitters and everything else, I mean, that's the one guy I'm really watching in Arizona Fall League because I think you're right. We know what's going on with the Rockies pitching situation. And so every little positive like what he's doing right now in Arizona, that just multiplies, I think, heading into the offseason and gives gives the Rockies some additional options, especially seeing what he can do at spring training because he will very likely be there. Yeah. Alec Barger, the reliever, uh, acquired from Atlanta in that Brad Hand swap. Uh, four innings pitch, only gave up one run. Five strikeouts, no walks. Again, he's missing bats. He's staying in the strike zone. Was erratic in 2023 uh, throughout the season with Atlanta and, and Colorado. So, you know, maybe there's some changes. Maybe there's some tweaks. Again, that's why the Arizona Fall League is such a finishing school. And, and we know Rockies are going to need those arms. I'm working on an article now about. You know, the Rockies trading from some of their depth. And you say, uh, do they have bullpen depth? You know, maybe not, but they got a lot of young guys that have a lot of value that aren't even in arbitration eligible yet. And if you have someone like an Alec Barger or, uh, and, and several others, Gavin Hollow, I think, is ready to step up and have uh, – you know, a bigger year next year, you know, be, be counted on, you know, for five of the six months of the season, then maybe you can trade one of those younger relief arms. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, think back to last spring, whenever they did sign Pierce Johnson, Brad Hand, Brent Suter, you know, all these guys who were one year deals. And, you know, you, you thought this could be, they could be trade chips eventually. Should the season go south, these are guys who might be wanted. And we saw what Pierce did in Atlanta. You know, I, I know you wrote about that. I'm telling you, it's, it was fantastic to see him and what he did. But it's absolutely something that I think the way that the Rockies did. Oh, sorry. Live there. Sorry about that. (laughs) But I think what the Rockies did at the trade deadline by flipping and getting some of these younger arms into the system, I think that that was a real good move by Bill Schmidt that maybe hasn't exactly gotten all the love that it should. 
Yeah, no, you, you need the depth. And and one of the reasons you're forced to do it is because you didn't make those trades in 2021 and 2022, which, which you know, I think puts them behind schedule a little bit. You know, I, I think, you know, not enough maybe was made of, of comments that Bill Schmidt made during the, the winter meetings of like, you know, we're about a year or so behind the Diamondbacks. And obviously the Diamondbacks run this postseason kind of changes that narrative a little bit for an 84-win team. Uh, but even still, you go like, are are you a year or so behind? And it might be a little bit more than that. It might be more like 2026. So it might be two years behind them. And I think, again, a lot of that had to do with the, the inactivity at the trade deadline the last two years before you got to this one and they did what they were supposed to do. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think everybody's watching the Diamondbacks right now and they're saying, are the Rockies on that same trajectory, what you just said. And, and you know, I, I've seen our friend Patrick Saunders talk about that. I've seen lots of our friends in the press box who brought this up is, can the Rockies duplicate what the Diamondbacks did? And obviously, you know, let's be honest, it starts with Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly. It starts with those two guys at the top and what they've done throughout the season. And I think the Rockies have to find that top two pitcher and then see what they can fill in from there and then have some of that young talent. That's the only way that this Diamondbacks plan, shall we say, is really going to work, of course. Yeah, it, it, the narrative has totally changed because the Diamondbacks, they'd won 16 fewer games than the Dodgers during the regular season. Believe it or not, that is the sixth largest regular season wins upset in a postseason series. And if you actually look at the uh, the top six, uh, uh, the second biggest differential was last year. The Padres lost or rather they won 22 less games than the Dodgers. You also had in 2021, Atlanta won 18 less games than the Dodgers. And then again, this year, Arizona winning 16 less games than the Dodgers. So the six biggest like upsets, when you look at regular season to the postseason, three of them are owned by the Dodgers in the last three years. What are they going to do? It seems like Otani is a foregone conclusion. Right. And you don't even know if Clayton Kershaw is going to come back. And does that matter? Because he's not getting it done in the postseason like you'd think. Well, and, and Otani is not going to be full on Otani. Don't forget, no. you know, he's only going to be a hitter next year. So, absolutely, you know, in my humble opinion, it wasn't the hitting that did in the Dodgers this year. It was that Clayton got roughed up heading into the postseason, and then what did you have after that? Yeah, Bobby Miller and and a, and a whole cast of characters. So, I think that the Dodgers. Yes, they'll be in the Otani sweepstakes, but it's really what are they going to do on the mound because Lance Lynn isn't an answer. A lot of the guys that they hoped were going to be answers of the postseason obviously weren't. And and once again, Dave Roberts is trying to figure out how he's going to prepare next year if he wins the NL West and gets another bye. Do you think he keeps his job? Uh, there's been some rumblings that yeah. he might be out. I, I think so, but at the same time, I, maybe two more years of that, you go, we, we just got to kind of change the culture a little bit. So Something is not right. It's not happening. But regular season manager, yeah. he was my pick of manager of the year. Uh, well, and, and think back to the, the offseason. Think back to Miguel Rojas being their <laughs> shortstop. You know, right? And everybody's like, okay, you're not going to replace Trey Turner, really. You know, all the heat that the Dodgers took, but everybody said, whoa, whoa, whoa. They're doing that because they're playing the Otani game. And so this season, I remember them saying it was going to be a down season. Remember that back in March? Well, you know, Dave Roberts navigates through all that, gets them to the top of the NL West, you know, the, the buy, all that stuff. I don't see any way that you could say that Roberts didn't do his job this year. I know a lot of Dodger fans that disagree with me, but absolutely getting him in the position with the roster that it had, you know, and, and even, let's be perfectly frank, some of the the trade deadline pieces, you know, uh, Ahmed Rosario, you know, I mean, there were some that were kind of, eh, you know, Lance Lynn was really their big one that helped them at some point. But after that, and, and I will say as well, Kike Hernandez coming back from the Red Sox was a huge thing for them. 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, talking about guy, people keeping their jobs. Um, you know, uh, Kim Ang, uh, that was the big news from this morning. Uh, yeah. Out as GM of the Miami Marlins, not because she wasn't wanted back. No, it was uh, uh, it was a mutual option and uh, parted ways. Mar- Marlins wanted, wanted her back, exercised that option. She did not. Ultimately, it does sound like, you know, the Marlins wanted to add a president of baseball operations. So that would have made Kim Ang uh, a number two. And yeah. she just took the team to the postseason, um, you know, for the first time since 2000. That, that was obviously the 60-game pandemic shortened season. So legitimately going to the postseason. And then all of a sudden, yeah, we, we almost want to demote you in, in a roundabout way. So she's, uh, she's now a free agent. And, you know, some people have linked her with the, the Boston Red Sox uh, with her relationship with uh, Red Sox manager Alex Kaur from their days with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So uh, another interesting free agent that's out there that a lot of teams are probably interested in, similar to Otani. And let's say good for her. I mean, good yeah. for her for not accepting the number two position after what she did this year in Miami. And I, and I will say, just a quick plug, we've got a great article right now on callthepen.com where our Miami, our guy in Miami goes through all the times that the Marlins have built up this momentum in South Florida and inevitably they tear it down either in the offseason or the next season. I mean, all these different steps. And you could say, you know, the Marlins really has a good thing going there. And now all of a sudden, uh, that's a huge hole that she'll leave behind. So, how will they respond next year? You think you would think Skip Schumacher is is a shoe in to stay there, even though that was kind of her guy. But I still think Skip will be there next year, and and then it's a matter of what will the Marlins do as far as payroll goes. Yeah, I don't know. Greedy is the word, but you, you had a person in place as the GM doing a wonderful job, and then you're like, I want to add somebody else. Well, guess what? Now 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 Kim's gone. And yeah. now you got to fill two spots. You still need that president of baseball operations, and, and now your GM spot is is wide open. Giants got a managerial spot that's wide open. Kai Correa, uh, you know, one of the bench coaches, uh, you know, was was interviewed, and Alyssa Nakin, uh, believed yeah. to be, uh, you know, reported by Andrew Bagley, believed to be uh, the first woman to be an official candidate for an MLB managerial position. That's that's awesome. It's fantastic. And I mean, good for her, good for the Giants. I mean, let's give them a big thumbs up for actually being open to that idea. And again, let's make very clear, this wasn't just because, well, we need to interview a woman to satisfy a quota or whatever. This is something that she's earned that. And everything that she's done to really help the Giants become the team that they are, you know, especially that year where they took that big leap out of nowhere, you know, and actually knocked off the Dodgers in the West. You know, good for her, good for them. And, you know, will she get it? You know, it remains to be seen, but I'm glad at least that they went through that process and acknowledged her as a deserving candidate. Yeah, that that entire Giants coaching staff, like that's going to be the staff when you look at 2021, getting 107 wins out of that roster that they yeah. you know have been trying to run back, and obviously it doesn't work because you know they kind of caught lightning in a bottle, but they did it for 162 games, so it's it's hard to catch lightning in a bottle for a marathon like that, but yo. Know, Kai Correa, fantastic. Alyssa, Alyssa Nakin, like also fantastic. There's there's a lot of really good coaches there. There's a lot of really good deals you can get when you're a diehard. Get yourself signed up uh, over at the DNVR.com. DNVRlocker.com is where you're going to go to get a free shirt each and every year when you sign up and you become official diehard. Access to the diehards only Discord, 15% off food and drink there at the corner of Colfax and York. Uh, we got our next tailgate coming up this Sunday. Broncos, Snarfs, all you can eat. Breckenridge Distillery, all you can drink. New can cocktails from Ricky's Spirits. We got Nuggets takeovers and dates set up November 4th against Chicago. Battle of DNVR versus CHGO. December 16th versus Oklahoma City. January 14th versus the Pacers, March 9th 
versus the Jazz Division Rival Night. And there's also a couple of the Avs takeovers locked and loaded. D, uh, December 9th versus Philadelphia. So again, DNVR versus PHLY. January 26th against LA on Pride Night. And then March 8th, Minnesota Military Appreciation Night. So uh, you get 20% off that. When you are a diehard, get yourself signed up. Join in, tag in, tailgates, watch parties, takeovers, you name it. Kevin, you are uh, you you are you're covering the league championship series there in the American League, and uh, yeah. we've got an interesting one so far. Texas up, uh, they went two zip on Monday night, and uh, the Rangers give it to Justin Verlander. And and how about Jordan Montgomery and the impact that he is making on where whoever he's going to be with <laughs> next year? He is earning some coin right now with the way that he's been pitching in the postseason. So you know maybe a little bit of a surprise to see the Rangers come out against Justin Verlander, but you also remember last year Seattle took Justin Verlander uh, deep a couple of times and had him on the ropes where the Astros came back with Jordan Alvarez. So you know postseason Justin maybe not as strong as we give we give him credit for. But yeah. uh, I am liking, uh, I'm very curious to see how the Astros bounce back tonight for sure. Verlander making his 14th game one start, 36th career postseason start, trails only Andy Pettit, who has 44. So he's got a way to go wow. uh, un- until he possibly ties or breaks uh, the Yankee and Astros uh, record there. Andy Pettit, of course. Uh, you know, you you, uh, you you also mentioned something there, of course, about Jordan Montgomery. Jordan Kaching Montgomery. I think going into this postseason, he was probably a you know maybe five year, hundred million dollar candidate somewhere in that ballpark. I, I thought he was worthy of uh, the great pitching he had has done with with the Yankees last year with the Cardinals and and again here with the Rangers. But it feels like every postseason start, he goes out and shoves and delivers. That's like an extra ten million dollars. His price goes up again. We just got done talking about Clayton Kershaw and not yep. getting it done. And you got regular season players, you got postseason players, and sometimes you have both. And there are teams out there that are willing to pay for both. And Jordan Montgomery is a both kind of guy. And and one thing that I have seen, because I was with the the Rangers whenever they were beating up on the Rays in the wild card, is you see the confidence that that team has when Jordan Montgomery is on the mound. I mean, there's just that little, yeah, that's our guy thing. And so I think that not only is he earning it for what he's doing on the mound, but just that overall vibe that he's bringing to the team too. Yeah, Nathan Eovaldi in there. We don't know what's going to happen with Scherzer. John Gray. Former Rockies, Rockies pitching legend John Gray. Yeah, he was uh, he was put on the 15 day IL for a lower right forearm. I had to actually look that up. I'm like, where is lower? I'm like, is that is that the bottom of the forearm? <laughs> it's it's closer to the wrist is basically what it means. Uh, but yeah, went on the 15 uh, day IL right at the end of the season, so he wasn't really eligible to come off that until yeah. now. So that'll be interesting to see uh, what he's able to do. So Rangers get that momentum, and and who's been more momentous this postseason than 21 year old Evan Carter making some really great plays defensively now last night in fact making uh kind of the big play now the rangers were already up to nothing at that point but makes that play in left field first time playing at minute Maid park too. keep that in mind makes the play and you, you double off jose altuve just kind of one of the worst base running mistakes it, it's not egregious where you look at it and go what is he doing because you have to go back and, and watch the replay to know that he didn't touch up again at second base right. but frankly one of the worst uh postseason base running performances i think we've seen in quite some time and, and if you watched whenever that play was first going on, Marcus Simeon was all over that, like immediately. And so I thought that was really heads up on his part to point that out. But yeah, Minute Maid Park and all those little nooks and crannies and everything else. I mean, Evan Carter looked like he played there a thousand games. So, you know, and I go back to, again, Tampa Bay. He makes that diving catch out in left field. I mean, the guy's done everything for the Rangers this, this uh, postseason. Been really cool to see. 
and scores that first run on what's ultimately just a hard hit ball to first base. Jose Brave can't hold on to it. As it trickles away, he, he takes a double on, again, on a, on a play that, you know, a, a above average defensive first baseman might make. It's an out, and he's standing on second base with uh, what's credited as a double. Base hit right after that, boom, uh, they go up with a 1-0 lead. The Rangers do. And then they get a, a solo home run from Leody Tavares, cousin of Willie Tavares, Rockies legend. <laughs> We're celebrating on 2007, you know, because right around now is the time. I think it was, what, maybe Saturday was was uh, the, the big 16th anniversary of, of winning game four and sweeping uh, yeah. the Diamondbacks there. So Willie Tavares, of course, deserves to get a shout out. You know, Rangers, uh, they got the home field advantage now, obviously yeah. winning game one and, and having three more still at home for games three, four, and five back in Arlington. Yeah, tonight I think it's a really pivotal game. You know, you hate to say that for the Astros, but I also look back to how many times have we counted out the Astros already this season. You know, Jose Abreu's not working out and, you know, oh, all these different things. And I, I, I will say, I think they're, they're the defending world champs for a reason. And I absolutely think they come back tonight and then that's going to make game three a really pivotal one uh, in Texas on uh, Wednesday night. And, and Astros lost game one of the World Series last year and... No, yep. didn't didn't have uh, any issue with that. I love the uh, obviously the major storyline with uh, Bruce Bochy and Dusty Baker facing one cool. another. Uh, here's a fun fact too that uh, it's it, you know I love fun facts. You know I love names too. Also, I, yes, I, you know I've heard I've heard this. I have. Yes, <laughs> I, I I wrote down uh, his real name is Evan Jason Carter, but I think we need to call him Evan Freaking Carter at this point. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but Bochy and. Dusty Baker, they faced each other 204 times in the regular season. Number one for managers facing off is Dusty Baker and Tony Larusa at 215. But number two, Bruce Bochy and Bud Black, 210 right. times. That's it. So again, we're always tying it back to the uh, the Colorado Rockies. I got it. <laughs> Legally speaking, I got to talk about the Rockies every five minutes at least. Well, and you and I both know that Bochi and Baker are two guys that Buddy cannot talk highly enough about. I mean, he loves both those guys, respects both those guys. And, and hey, to have, for the Bochi effect and what it's done in Texas this year, yes, Jordan Montgomery, Max Scherzer coming over at the trade deadline, Evan Carter being a superstar, all that stuff, you don't get there without Bruce Bochi being that steady hand throughout the postseason, especially that last week when they, they literally flubbed up the, the AL West title. You know, I mean, so good for them for flushing it and good for him for keeping them on that straight and straight and narrow path. Yeah, it really seemed like Bochy pushed all the right buttons and, and yeah. you know, helped win in the division series against, you know, a, a better Orioles team on paper. But again, Brandon Hyde, first postseason as the manager there, obviously, uh, you know, suffers from that uh, inexperience. Perhaps this is only the second postseason matchup of two managers who had 2,000 wins going into the series. Tony Larusa. Uh, for the Cardinals against Joe Torre for the Dodgers. Remember, he was a manager for the Dodgers oh, for a little right. bit yeah, yeah. back in the 2009 NLDS. So again, I mean, no edge there between Baker and and Bruce Bochy. So uh, this this is going to be fun to watch the Battle of Texas. I think whoever wins, you know, is uh, is is more than worthy of, of going to the World Series and representing the American League. And it's a rivalry, man. I mean, this is something that has really t kind of taken on its life of its own. You know, the AL West has turned a little nasty in the last few years, you know, uh, between Seattle, Texas, and Houston all not liking each other. So, yeah, I'm very anxious to see the atmosphere Wednesday night and see how crazy it is. Yeah, I was watching the game last night. I, I wasn't sure if it was nasty or not, but then when Post Malone told me how important it was on the pregame package, I was like, oh, okay, if Post Malone well, is saying listen. it. Hello. 
yeah. <laughs> now it's got to be yes, yeah. Kevin, I know you're uh, you're going to be in uh, in in Arlington and in Texas yep. covering game three, four, and five. Asterisk. Yep. Uh, so go ahead and and, uh, and plug away. And actually, first tell me uh, who do you think is going to win this series? And and did last night's victory for the Rangers change your mind at all? Uh, you know, it still it still didn't. I mean, as as much as the Bruce Bochy effect is having, I still think the Astros find a way to pull this out. Uh, I think you look back to that last time that they went into Arlington, and I think they outscored them. I think it was like forty three to six or something like that in the three games. I mean, it, it was a butt kicking. So I do think that the Astros find a way to win this series. Uh, I do think that their experience in the postseason pays off. Uh, but uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. How about that? It's going to be at KGH23 on Twitter. Let folks know where all uh, your great written content is is uh, found because you, hey. you keep cranking it out and it's it's top quality work. Appreciate it, brother. I'm a uh, national columnist, and uh, luckily you'll be with Robert Murray, who's our MLB insider there in Arizona, uh, while I'll be covering things uh, for fansided.com slash MLB in Arlington, uh, 3, 4, and 5, like you said with the asterisk, and uh, looking forward to see what all this happens. Man, it's exciting. I mean, it's postseason baseball. It's it's always riveting, always exciting. We're uh, keeping it exciting, uh, even when it comes to the Rockies. Over on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies at Patrick D Lions is where I can be found. Kevin, appreciate you, and and appreciate Renee and Jesse for giving us uh, plenty of momentum on today's show. But uh, do you know what they say about uh, podcast momentum? You know, you may need to remind me. Let's see. Hmm. They say. That kind of momentum is only good as your next show. Thankfully, we've got Susie Hunter tomorrow right here on the DNVR Sports Channel live on YouTube. 